This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharudin and this is DG Worldplay, the show that talks about all things video games. In this final episode of the year, Jonathan Liu from kakuchopore.com will be joining me to share some of the best releases of 2021. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Teng and Daryl Ong. Thank you, Hanif. Let's start the final news segment of 2021 with a big news coming from China. Steam, one of gaming's biggest digital storefront, is no longer accessible from the country and has reportedly been blocked, according to a report by The Gamer. Players in China are reporting the issue as they did not manage to access the storefront as well as Steam community pages. Yeah, so Steam has previously released Steam China, which is a localized version of the storefront with a much smaller collection of games. But while that version is available, the Steam Global version, which is essentially the full site, is still accessible. Feels like the global page has now been taken offline in the country on Christmas. Mm, this does not feel like a surprise considering how strict China is when it comes to gaming. Uh, this past year, they have made some hard-hitting decisions before including shutting down Fortnite and limiting the number of hours when it comes to gaming for children. Yeah, so as time of recording, the Gamers Report has also released an update claiming that the reason why the website is not accessible is because of a DNS attack. So we can't say for sure if this is a deliberate move by the Chinese government. However, Steam has also not said anything about it as of yet. So we bring you more information when it comes our way. Okay, on to the next story on Ubisoft now, a company behind Activision Blizzard in terms of a bad press this year, seems to continue facing problems the company with a report on Axios claiming that the company is now facing a, and I quote, great exodus. Wow, we suggest that you read the report yourself as it's more detailed. But just a summary, the company is seeing a lot of resignations this year. Some are high-profile departures with at least 5 out of the top 25 credited people from this year's Far Cry 6. 12 employees that worked on last year's Assassin's Creed Valhalla has also left, not to mention mid-level and low-tier employees across multiple studios, especially their large studios in Canada. This has resulted in stalled or slowed projects. Yeah, so interviews done with current and former employees have revealed multiple reasons for the exodus, including low pay, better creative opportunities elsewhere, frustration at the company's creative direction, and of course, unease at the way Ubisoft is currently handling the workplace misconduct scandal that first started mid last year. The management of the company is apparently dealing with it by hiring new employees as well as giving its staff a pay rise, but the competitive nature of the industry especially within Montreal makes it a bit more competitive for developers looking for better opportunities Yeah. apart from that the misconduct scandal plaguing the company is also affecting the employees with those who left especially the women and people of colour citing it as their main reason for leaving some who have participated in the company's effort to fix things said that what they're doing is perhaps not enough mm. yeah this is definitely not the end of the story for Ubisoft so we'll bring you more updates as and when they appear now, one of the biggest stories of the year, especially in relation to hardware, is of course the global shortages, right? And this is still happening and is projected to continue even into the next year. And while we assume that it has affected only end customers like us, that's not really not the case as Microsoft, you know, the maker of Xbox consoles, is also struggling to get their hands on their own console that they manufacture. 
During the recent Halo Infinite tournament, the HCS Kickoff Major Raleigh 2021, the company had to use modified dev kits for some of the tournament players. Yeah, 343's eSport lead, Hassan Jakic, announced this on Twitter saying, Heads up, open bracket players will be playing this weekend on Series X development consoles. They are functionally identical and will be operating in retail mode, so it's the exact same experience. They just look a little different. Why? Global supply chain shortage is real. So yeah, it is indeed real. So for those of you out there uh, who managed to get an Xbox Series X or a PS5 for Christmas, do count your blessings. Indeed. Moving on, let's head to Twitch to check out what's the most watched games of 2021. Is it a new game? Perhaps? Nope. The most watched game of the year by hours watch is the ever-present Grand Theft Auto V. Yep, you heard right. The game that was released in 2013 is still going strong 8 years later with 2.1 billion hours watch according to Rainmaker.gg and Stream Elements State of the Stream 2021 Year in Review Report. That's an increase of 1.3 billion hours more compared to last year when the game reached only 764 million hours watched. League of Legends, which was last year's champion, dropped to second with 1.8 billion hours watched, an improvement from last year's number of 1.4 billion. But regardless, it can't match GTA V's increase in viewership. Fortnite, which is still very popular, got third place, followed by Valorant, Minecraft, Call of Duty, Warzone... Counter-Strike Global Offensive, Apex Legends, and Dota 2. That's right. New World is the most popular brand new game that was viewed on Twitch in 2021, but the number of hours was just 259 million hours, which is still a lot of hours, and overall, they were placed 18th on the list. Twitch overall hours also saw an increase this year, rising from 45% from 17 billion hours last year to 24 billion hours watched in 2021. In fact, the trend seems to apply across competitor platforms as well, with Facebook Gaming, which is a more popular platform here in Malaysia, seeing a 47% increase from 3.6 billion hours watched last year to 5.3 watched this year. So yeah, that's a lot of hours of gaming. And going back to GTA 5 is a game that simply won't die, I guess, for better or worse. Rockstar has found the perfect formula and they're not letting it go with continuous updates being rolled out. As much as there are also some sections of the gaming community that are kind of sick of this game uh, and would want to see Rockstar move on with something new, well, that seems to not be the case on Twitch at least. That's right. Up next, Nintendo is expanding its wings across Southeast Asia by officially entering the Thai market. They have launched a new website in Thai as well as an official online store. This is good news for our neighbours who can officially enjoy the services by Nintendo natively without having to jump through hoops and get content from other regions. Yeah, that's something that a lot of Nintendo fans here have to deal with and that includes having to worry about exchange rates and unique regional accounts to deal with sales and special offers. But apart from the official website and store, Nintendo has also partnered with JD Central who will operate as the official Nintendo store in Thailand. This store, which is essentially Thai's version of Shopee, will provide access to official Nintendo consoles, games and accessories. Gamers in Thailand will also be able to send their consoles for repair at an official Nintendo service center in Samut Prakan. Thailand becomes the second country in Southeast Asia to have an official Nintendo presence after Singapore. So let's hope that Nintendo will make its presence more widespread in the region and Malaysia next, maybe.
Last but not least, the company man, an action platformer made here in Malaysia by Forest Studio, will be getting a physical release next year after a digital release on Steam last May. This comes as the game will be making its debut on a console platform via Nintendo Switch next year. The game will be published by Leo Fool, and apart from a physical release schedule early 2022, the game will also be available on Nintendo's eShop. The platformer received rave reviews among fans of 2D platformers on PC, and we even spoke to the founder and lead game designer, Andrew Teo. Do check out the podcast if you want to hear him talk about the game. That's right. Uh, in the meantime, the game is currently on sale on Steam till the 6th of January, so do take advantage of that 15% discount if you have not played the game. Alright, that's all we have for you on this week's news. See you again in the new year. Take care, but for now, back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ofnil and Daryl. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, I will wrap up of the year with Kakucho Pore's John Leo. Stay tuned, this is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played, I'm your host Hanif Baharudin. It's been quite a year for gaming and as promised, we're going to summarise what are some of the more interesting releases that you might have missed in 2021. Joining me to do that is Jonathan Leo, Content Director from Kakuchopore.com. First up, let's get his thoughts on the year that was. I think it's been a great year for video games this year because that's just a lot that just came out. Like I think they were all pushed back because of COVID-19 and development issues. But it's great that we get like different indies, different AAA titles and everything in between. I think even up till now, I'm still playing the stuff that, that came out like a couple of months ago here and there. And I still haven't finished some of the titles that came out and we've actually put on our upcoming uh, top 30 games, which is going to be on our website starting next week or this week. Like by the time this episode's published, uh, yeah, the, the top 30 games on our of 2021 will be published like bit by bit but yeah that's just a lot that just that came out that basically impressed me i mean there weren't really any outright terrible games there were disappointing ones of course but nothing that really soured my expectations here and there i mean you've got really good remakes and remasters like the near replicant remake and the mass effect legendary edition and then you've got like games that you thought they were going to be bad, but it turns out to be pretty fun single campaign wise, like Halo Infinite. And you've got like your typical blockbuster games that you know they're going to be good and then they exceed expectations like Forza Horizon 5. And of course, uh, despite the fact that PlayStation 5 has like little, like that not that many games coming out, at least it got a good showing like with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Returnal, which is a pretty fun shooter game. I mean... Some people can contest about the roguelike nature of the title, but the challenge level and the shooting aspects are really top-notch, especially if it's coming from a really great company like Housemark. Mm, all right, yeah. I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but I feel like 2021, we don't really have like a super blockbuster title. Like for example, you know, in 2020, for what is worth, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 was released in 2020, right? Yeah, like a really uh, super blockbuster. <laughs> That's not really true considering that Forza Horizon 5 is a super blockbuster game. Like, there's a lot of money poured into that. Halo Infinite is also one as well. And of course, like I mentioned, Returnal and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, those are high-budget games, definitely, because it's like first-party uh, first Xbox and PlayStation titles out there. So yes, there are still like the spattering of blockbuster and indie games out there for this year. 
All right. Okay. So um, I would like to get your thoughts on you know your personal game of the year and also uh KKP's game of the year, right? But uh, before that, uh, what are your thoughts on the game awards game of the year? Uh, I think it takes two one game of the year and also like some of the winners and losers from that award show, <laughs> which is like the Grammy right of gaming, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like the Grammys and Oscars for video games, except every five minutes after they do a performance and a awards uh, giveaway, they have a trailer coming out. So there are way too many trailers. Of course, yes, I think that's what the Game Awards is. It's basically, I think it's a 70% marketing, game marketing business thing going on. And I, I felt that this year's one was a bit too long. It did not need to be three or four hours long. It just need to be like, one or one and a half hours and then that's it. Like just the awards, get it done. I know that's not going to happen, but I wish it was. But a lot of people liked it. I'm not going to sour their enjoyment for that. But as someone who's been around writing about video games and, you know, helping out video game development and PR for like 10 years plus, I'm just super jaded about what's happening here and there. Again, you see this, you know who's going to win. I mean, a couple of years ago, The Last of Us Part 2 won Game of the Year for one of the Game Awards. I already lost my faith in that show like ages ago when that happened. But at least I know this year's Game of the Year for the show was actually well-deserved because it takes two. I didn't actually personally play it that much. But I know that one, that game at least deserves some recognition or some rewards or whatnot because of the way it handles co-op and the way it handles its subject matter, which is about divorce. I mean, they got some really good contenders there too, like Deathloop, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Resident Evil Village. Yeah, so those games really deserve, any one of those games deserve to win the prize. So it's good that It Takes Two gets it. And, you know, the very controversial director, Joseph Harris, came up to say his speech. So that was fun. I mean, personally, for me, I feel like it, that was a pretty interesting choice considering that I did play It Takes Two till the end and um, I didn't play De- Deathloop, but I heard a lot of good things about it as well. So I was a bit, yeah, I, I think surprise is the right word. I was a bit surprised to see, you know, it went to It Takes Two rather than um, Deathloop because, you know, you assume, you know, a game that's quote-unquote creative like Deathloop might win over something that's, not to say It Takes Two is a bad game, but it is a good game, but it's just that I was a bit surprised to see the award went to It Takes Two rather than Deathloop. Well, to be fair, Deathloop did win a couple of awards. I think they won Best Game Direction and Best Artwork, I think. Let me double check. Yeah, Best Art Direction. So it did win a couple of awards. The one that got the shaft is definitely Psychonauts 2 because it didn't win anything. It got nominated, but it didn't win anything, which is... A huge shame because at least it deserved best art direction at the very least or best narrative. I felt that Psychonauts 2 got the and Double Fine got the shaft in this award show. But don't worry, um, we actually voted Psychonauts 2 as one of our best games of 2021 on our side. So there you have it. Yeah, so so let's get into that. I mean, you have the obvious candidates, I, I assume, but but what are some of the games that you know are memorable for you this year personally? And also, you know, on behalf of KKP. Oh, yes, yes. Um, first off, I'm going to get some things out of the way. I'm going to bring up, I mean, we've talked about Guilty Gear Strive and Metroid Dread in the previous shows, right? So those are definitely on our top games of 2021. We actually listed 30. I'm just going to mention a few of them. So those two games definitely on there, but I'm not going to say much because we already spent a lot of time talking on that. So I'll talk about the rest of them. Like I mentioned Psychonauts 2, right? So that's a 3D platformer that's six years in the making. It's a sequel that really gets the job done in terms of like completing the story arc of Psychonauts. Double Fine and Tim Schafer's studio did a really great job telling the story of Raz and how 
he continues on working for the secret agent um, psychonauts group in the big motherlobe office and how he starts off as an intern and then uncovering the deep deep ploy that was going on in the actual psychonauts uh, group and helping out his old friend uh, Fort Cruller from the first game. The way the payoff is done and the way it handles certain subject matters like alcoholism, abuse, and I'm trying to think of the other themes they mention uh, in the show, like and also tampering with people's minds. They did a great job in you know talking about the repercussions and how it actually plays off. And it's also a really fun uh, platformer as well. With some really nice puzzles here and there. It's you know it's got the whole collectathon thing going on. You've got your, your special moves to actually do like you know rolling on the psychic ball, doing the floating action, and also using the mind mapping uh, tool to actually do grappling hook action onto the game's different psyches itself and the levels inside people's brains. So yeah, I really like the how the gameplay is done because you get to go to different fantastical imaginations of people's minds. I think my particular favorite is the one involving the... It involves a rock concert, let's just say that. So I'm not going to say more than that. It's a game you got to experience for yourself. It's out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. So do check it out if you can. A really great platformer for you, for people with a great story. And also for fans who really love the first Psychonauts, it's a great continuation and a bookend for the series. Yeah, apart from Psychonauts, which I think is a bit under the radar, what else do you have? Let's see. Um, oh, I got another one. Uh, it's a really cool indie game called Inscription. That's I-N-S-C-R-Y-P-T-I-O-N. It's a horror card game where you summon critters and defeat opponents on a roguelike pathway like Slay the Spire. But there's a huge bird there. So once you play through the game in about two, three hours, it takes a different twist and turn. I'm not going to say more than that because it, will, it won't do the game justice. Just remember that this PC game is from the same guy who developed um, 2017 or 18's Pony Island. So you can expect that sort of twist for this indie game. Again, it plays like a card game like Hearthstone and um, Legends of Runeterra with a more sort of like creepy kind of cabin, stuck in a cabin kind of vibe. And then it takes a different pathway. I won't say more than that. Do check it out. It's on PC. I think it's about 15 US or 20 US worth the purchase. I think there's also a Steam sale going on. So do check it out if you're into mystery card games with like different twists and turns. If you like you to be surprised, play Inscription. Another game I want to recommend on this list is definitely Shin Megami Tensei V. I've kind of mentioned this a bit here and there in the show. So I want to talk a bit more about it. It's a GRPG on Nintendo Switch. I mean, actually this year, we actually had a really good offering of GRPGs like Tales of Arise, Yeast 9, Monster Hunter Stories 2, and Bravely Default 2. But personally, and on Kakucho Prey's side, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is actually my favorite because of the challenge factor it has, the customization you can do in terms of recruiting the different demons you get in the game, and even the atmosphere and the the vibe of the game itself. You're stuck in the post-apocalyptic Tokyo that's like deserts and different landscapes here and there. You kind of have to, basically your character is trying to reclaim the throne to a to godhood or whatnot like it's advertised, but there's a bit of a twist here and there. But the story beats are very few and far between, but the narrative picks up after like the 30, 40 hour mark. But the game actually is a bit like vague, mysterious in terms of like, but then you get trust into the gameplay like 30 minutes in. So... In a way, it's like the anti-Persona 5, which is based off the spin-off and whatnot. So yeah, this if you like GRPGs and you got a Nintendo Switch and you need a bit of a challenge, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is the game you need to get. And plus, the side stories and side quests kind of like 
reminds you of how cyberpunk is because cyberpunk has like different side quests which are really interesting to explore. Shin Megami Tensei Five has that same kind of vibe too in terms of like the side quests are actually given more thought and care compared to the main plot, which is okay, but not as detailed and in-depth and, you know, has many twists compared to the side stuff. So all your choices are pretty, I would say it's not as 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 well talked about compared to all the other usual stuff, right? Oh, yes, definitely. I kind of want to mention it on public radio. So if you guys, like, you know, I, I want to suggest like a nice GRPG that's, you know, very challenging. But at the same time, also kind of open-ended. So Shin Megami Tensei Five kind of reminds, I mean, because it kind of reminds people of Pokemon because of the whole capture the creature and recruit them to your cause effect. But the way you talk to capture the creatures, you kind of have to negotiate. You have to talk to the demons and then you have to match the mood and temperament of the conversation and then whether they're happy or sad it's up to you to decide and then you have to also give them some bribes for them to come over your side so it's like pokemon plus plus in that sense i guess i could continue on like um one of the games i would suggest like uh ah yeah chikori um if you guys there's this indie game that uh, came out like middle of the year it's called chikori it's basically a colorless game it starts off like a Legend of Zelda kind of title. You play this little dog who's an apprentice for this painter and your objective is to basically color a colorless world. So you've got this paintbrush, you can paint it to different colors however you want and you get these power-ups to actually get you through the game's puzzles. The game also tackles like imposter syndrome and depression in the best way possible. It's a very positive and upbeat game, eventually. I mean, you got like little, some little sad moments here and there, especially when you're talking to the title character, Chikori, who is actually your sensei in the game. And then the way actually the bonding and the camaraderie works out is actually really good. So I really suggest you getting this indie game. This, I believe it's out on PC and PlayStation 4. I think it's about like 20 US as well. So yeah, it's very, definitely worth it if you're into like top-down 2D puzzle action adventure titles like Legend of Zelda but with its own cute little flair and a really great soundtrack from Lena Rain. Mm. Okay, I'm going to throw a bit of a curveball to you uh, based on a lot of games that receive a lot of rave reviews or hype. Which one is a bit overrated to you? <laughs> overrated? That's a tough one because even though like hmm, that's a tough one. Maybe Tales of Arise because I played through the game like I was actually like I finished it. It's just fine. I mean a lot of people do did like that game as their GRPG of the year. I admit it's pretty and it sounds okay, but the combat still feels like it's the same as in the previous Tales of games, except, and plus they don't change much of the problems from the previous titles. So I'd say it's more like, a, it's not a step forward or a step backwards. It's just, it's just in the same place. It just looks prettier. That's it. So I'd say Tales of Arise is overrated. So all in all, it was, like you said, you know, at the top of the show, it was like a, good year for gaming especially for indie games i mean the fact that you recommended a lot of indie games showed that it was a good year for indie games as well right oh yeah yeah i also would like to recommend like a couple of triple a games like halo infinite the game gets really fun in the campaign mode when you got like the grappling hook like you start off the game with that and once you get all the power-ups of that you got the cooldown you get and plus you got the patented halo infinite uh, shooter mechanic the game gets really fun so i don't really care much about the game storyline but the gameplay and the open world Approach a la Far Cry actually works out really well with the grappling hook. And also I would recommend Deathloop. It's a very fun 
immersive first-person shooter. You're on an island in the 60s style sci-fi pop era. You have to kill seven people on the span of a single day, but you have to figure out how to get them all in specific places so you can visit them in a row to defeat them all. If you fail, you have to start the loop all over again. And you also got special power-ups to help you out like telekinesis and teleportation and also the way, and also the power-up to actually link people's minds so you can kill one guy, you kill everyone in that same area. So yeah, it's got that really humorous vibe too, which I enjoy. So it's got like funny dialogue and funny ways to kill certain characters or even kill yourself as well to start the day over again. So yeah, it's pretty fun. Deathloop is really fun. All right. Okay, so from looking back, let's look forward to next year. What are your personal, I guess, hopes and what are you actually looking forward to next year? I honestly don't know. I hope there's less workplace abuse and more efforts to unionize companies in the future. <laughs> I guess, because we got like a bunch of like bad news here and there in terms of like companies showing their true colors and having these reports coming up saying that some companies are not treating their workers and the developers right. And you know, like you got mass exoduses from different studios here and there. And you've got like, I just hope that there's a way for them to fix all this and not just cover it up. So I hope to have, I hope that the game industry creates a better and more comfortable workplace and a fairer workplace in next year and the following year. Lah. And of course, um, even if you want, I mean, I know a lot of people have their works de- delayed and whatnot for this year. And who knows, maybe they have to push back some games for the following year and even to next year. But you know what? I say, take your time in developing games. We have a lot of games that came out this year. So I think a lot of people haven't even played half of the titles that came out this year. They're probably saving it for next year. So if there are some games that are delayed for next year, yeah, sure, go ahead, delay it as much as you can. I'd rather these people get the fair workplace compensation and, you know, work hours to actually finish your titles. That's all I want, you know, to have a better workplace for these guys and girls. Yeah, we can't run away from talking about that, right? Um, Activision Blizzard, you know... And Crunch in general, basically, yeah. I'm not really surprised, like you said. It's kind of sad to hear it. I mean, I've worked in a couple of companies here and there and... They're not really good stories. I had to keep this to myself, unfortunately. But at the same time, I mean, some places are nice. Well, some places are. They can't really reveal the true colors until publication of renowned um, status actually exposes them, you know, through anonymous sources here and there that you can trust. So I just hope that companies can change their ways. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. The scary thing is that, you know, it's it's not just one or two companies, right? It's It seems to be industry-wide. You know, that's the saddest it, it's part, It's industry-wide, right? yes. Um, and like, Activision and Ubisoft are the most infamous ones, but then there are other companies that do the same too. It's just that they actually sweep it under the rug and they do a great job at hiding it. So make of that what you will. Uh. Yeah. Apart from that, uh, I understand that, you know, we were working in the pandemic, but we're seeing a lot more of Bosch releases, you know, games that were essentially released half finished. And that seems to be the rising trend in the industry as well. Is that something that is worrying for you? Um, It is, but at the same time, I guess you could say Halo Infinite is one good example. I mean, as much as I praised the game earlier on, I noticed that there was no co-op and some of the levels feel a bit samey, especially when you're going into like the Forerunner bases and you're going into the the banished bases here and there. So I felt, I mean, plus when you compare it to the game's multiplayer, which had different colorful locations, it's a bit perplexed. It's a bit of a perplexing decision. But at the same time, I'm playing the game for free because it's on Xbox Game Pass, right? I just pay a subscription fee and then I get this game for free. 
So there's not really much complaints there. Lah. So let them update the game as much as they can. It's out. I had fun with it. That's the most important thing. That's all that matters. I hope they can update it better with more content in the next coming months. Preferably after Christmas lah, or next few months, right? Yeah, and the thing about Halo Infinite is that it was supposed to be released last year, right? Imagine if yes. it was actually released last year, right? <laughs> yeah, if it came out last year, oh, it'll be very broken. But I'm happy it came out in a good state. I mean, I won't say it's completed, but at the same time, it's great. It's still fun. It's still fun. That's all that matters. And I didn't have to pay like US 60 for it. Mm. What about, you know, game game industry or the gaming developers jumping onto, I guess, trendy tech things these days, right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Ubisoft reported that you know, they're going to start, you know, jumping on the NFT bandwagon as well. Is this something that you're going to, you know, see happening a lot more next year? Replacing, for example, microtransactions, right? I hope not because NFT is something that is people still don't get what it is. But at the same time, again, it's a good concept for artists who are creating the product. But there's a lot of people who are jumping on the bandwagon. They're not actually artists themselves. They're using other people's artworks. So it seems more like a scam when you think about it. So I guess until the technology and the idea is actually implemented in the fair sense, I see this as just being another way for people to exploit other people's uh, well-being and gullibility. Lah. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Mm, all right. And and yeah, do you foresee other companies jumping on the bandwagon as well? They probably will. They probably will and they're probably going to back out on it like how Ubisoft did. So it's like people just jumping into something they don't understand. That's as simple as that. Mm, okay. All right. Um, any last thoughts on, on, I guess, the year or maybe yeah, what you look forward to next year? <laughs> I'm still playing some games I haven't finished yet for this year. So thank you so much, 2021. You've given us a lot of things to play through. So even if there are some games coming out next year, I probably won't touch them unless it's for work. So yeah, it's good stuff. I really enjoyed 2021, especially, I mean, yes, it's kind of terrible that uh, COVID and Omicron is sort of a thing. But at the same time, a lot of us are really smart and keeping it safe, you know, and, you know, to alle- alleviate boredom, we have all these wonderful games coming out. So, yeah, really great job industry-wise in terms of like entertainment and game and whatnot. You're tuned in to GG Well Played and that was Jonathan Leo, content director at kakuchopore.com sharing some of the more interesting releases of the year that you should check out as well as his thoughts on the industry. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and also Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. Have a safe new year. See you in 2022. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.